conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. All right, 11 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. So we're looking now at the special, the, the spatial rather, economic activity data, SEED-SA. Um, the Human Sciences Research Council has been working on this project alongside the National Treasury City Support Programme and Economic Policy Unit. They've released this new information that is supposed to assist when it comes to assessing the economic performance of municipalities. Karen Harrison is the lead of the Economic Development Component for the City Support Programme at National Treasury. Karen, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Morning, Kathy, and thank you for the opportunity to come on your show. Look, it can sound very complicated in terms of what this tool actually is, but perhaps in layman's terms, Karen, uh, describe to us what what is this data all about? Yes, Kathy. So I think it's um, an issue that the Metro has actually raised with National Treasury probably about seven to eight years ago, mm. where they said that they didn't have the data or the information available to help them plan and invest properly within their city spaces. So what that meant was that they didn't have data around where firms are locating within their city boundaries, where jobs are being created, um, where jobs are being lost, what's happening between um, uh, gender issues in terms of wage levels. There wasn't a sense of over time, how is our city spaces, um, how are they shifting, how are they changing, how are they performing, how are different sectors in our economy changing, what sectors contribute to our city economies and what kind of support do they need. So that's the, that's the data gap um, that we have been able to fill now with providing access uh, to all municipalities in the country of spatialized and anonymized tax data. So, Karen, does it mean that through the provision of services, right, to different areas, these metros were unable to get a sense of where the economic activity um, in that metro perhaps might be centralized, that um, the, the, that it's not coming through in terms of services such as your utility bills, your water, your refuse, etc.? So, Kathy, definitely the data that metros collect themselves, the administrative data in terms of the rates collections, service charges, and so on, also helps metros understand their landscape. So there is a sense and, and um, that, that gave them some level of information and metros have been using that information. But what this data does is shift us a little bit differently. So um, what, what it allows us to do is um, understand what's happening within different spaces. So previously, a metro wasn't able to look at an industrial space within their city area or a township or the CBD and really understand what's happening there, what um, sectors are clustering there, um, what, you know, what kinds of jobs are being generated within a particular space or what kind of jobs are being lost and over what period and what is the impact of certain shocks on those spaces. For example, COVID-19 lockdowns or a natural disaster or a community protest. 
So now, because we have this um, time series data, um, this, this data, administrative data that's been collect, uh, collected by SARS, but previously has been used mainly for regulatory purposes. But now that this data can be available in a form that is anonymized and spatialized, it allows Metro just to have a far more in-depth understanding of what's happening across their spaces. So other municipalities can also have this data now because previously, to understand your local economy, you were mainly reliant on private sector model data sources. Now you can have real administrative data sources um, from, from tax returns and so on that, that can um, assist municipalities. And so even um, rural municipalities now can have a much better sense of what's going on within their space. Let me bring into the conversation Professor Ivan Turok, who's a Distinguished Research Fellow at the HSRC that, of course, has been a key partner in this project. Professor Turok, good morning to you, and thanks for your time this morning. Morning, Cathy. Pleasure to be with you. What has it taken to be able to disaggregate this data, as Karen is explaining, into this tool um, that can be useful for metros, for cities, and I think not just for, for 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 public planning purposes, but this is information that I would imagine the private sector will also be very interested in. Oh yes, there are a wide range of stakeholders that will really value this data. It can be very valuable indeed. Now, it's taken quite a big effort, as you can imagine, to SARS tax data, the records, there are millions of records. These have had to be sifted carefully using very sophisticated analytical techniques to uh, spatialize them, in other words, to translate the information into uh, suburbs and neighborhoods and districts of cities in a way that's meaningful for analysis. Um, So that's been a huge effort. And then to clean the data to avoid, uh, get rid of obvious errors and uh, anomalies in the data, uh, to produce this data set now and this uh, web access tool that is very user-friendly and and I'm sure will be very attractive to all kinds of people uh, interested to know where activity is located within municipalities. When we talk about how it it, it works then, Professor Turok, would I be able to put in, let's say, for example, in Johannesburg, you've got um, the, 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 the market that's down at City Deep, right? Would I be able to put in that area specifically? And it'll tell me um, what, what, what is happening there economically. That's right. We, we, we um, use the data at a level of what's described as hexagons, which is a little bit like postcodes, um, quite a small scale area, uh, and you can uh, put in your characteristics. In fact, you can zoom into it using the tool to your area. You'll see the names of different locations, uh, and you'll be able to look at the composition of activity in that area, trends over the last eight years, uh, numbers of jobs, the types of uh, business that are located there, um, and it's, yeah, it's really useful. Karen, when you think about the, the kind of uses that people will be using this information for, I know it was the metros um, that specifically came to you, but I imagine a, a lot more uh, people would, would find this information helpful. 
Yes. Um, so, Kathy, if I could just add something to what Prof um, Turok was sharing earlier. Sure. So, um, you spoke about the effort to make this data um, and the process to get this data available. And I just want to um, uh, really uh, and sort of indicate that this was a huge collaborative public sector effort. And that is something we really celebrated um, yesterday at the launch of the data. Um, it was basically an effort where SARS has come to the party saying that they are committed to making available this data as a broader public good and that they are committed to working with us to undertake those processes that Prof. Turok was talking about with insight to properly spatialize, improve the geocoding of that data, because that's the basic building block for, for making this data available. And then we've had a partnership with the UNUIDA, the, uh, the um, United Nations University, with National Treasury, where we have a secure data center located within the department, where this data can be properly housed and curated and prepared for sharing further. And in terms of um, our cooperation with StatSA, that's been particularly important because StatSA has a particular mandate to provide statistics into South Africa that are useful for um, uh, public and private uh, uh, use and knowledge sector use. And they've come on board with this in terms of building their national statistics system. So it's been a really strong partnership uh, approach. And we are, um, as we're working and moving forward, bringing on other key stakeholders like the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development that's responsible for the Spatial Data Infrastructure Act. So just to highlight that, it has been incredibly uh, collaborative. And the partnership between National Treasury and the HSRC has been um, a, a partnership that has really worked because it's brought in a key knowledge partner mm. to partner with um, with a, a national department and turn this administrative data into something useful and accessible. All right. But Karen, I'm going to interject there. We're going to continue this conversation in a moment. It's time for a quick break. I'm back with Karen and Dr. Professor Turok. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. We're looking at the SEED-SA project that was launched yesterday, Spatial Economic Activity Data in South Africa. And you've heard just how important uh, this information is going to be for uh, cities, for various stakeholders who want to know about the economic activity uh, that is taking place in certain parts of the country. Uh, Dr. Professor, rather, Ivan Turok is Distinguished Research Fellow at the HSRC and Karen Harrison is Lead of the Economic Development Component for the City's Support Program at National Treasury. So Karen, you're still talking about the collaborative effort that it has taken to make this possible. Yes, Cathy. So, so um, the collaborative effort has been a real success and it has happened over a number of years. And it's been based on really building trust amongst the different institutions in government. Obviously, using an administrative data source as sensitive as tax has had to require 
piloting, testing, demonstrating that um, the public sector together with our private counterparts in the knowledge sector can use this data um, responsibly and prepare this data responsibly. And then it's taken a whole lot of champions within the different institutions who are really um, uh, positive, wanting to drive change, and committed to making this work happen and working alongside each other. So I think that's been critical. And this work has been recognized. So now as we have been basically snowballing, we've had um, donor partners like the um, the Swiss Economic Secretariat, SECO, as well as the United Kingdom's uh, Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office coming on and saying that they would like to continue supporting this program even for another eight years. So really you can see a lot of uh, positive that's coming out of this. But when you were talking about the uses, Kathy, I think there are a number of uses and it, and it goes across all these partners we're talking about, particularly at a metro level. That is where we've seen some incredible innovations taking place. Um, both the city of Cape Town and the Etigrini Metro have been driving innovation with this data since it became available and through our first pilot in 2021. And what they've demonstrated is they can use it to assist in their planning both at a city and an area-based level. So even today, for example, um, Etigrini Metro sent me a snapshot of their workshop they're doing with the private sector in the South Durban Basin, and they're using this data to help them inform um, what needs to take place. Um, we've seen innovations where the, the cities have set up their own um, data portals in the metros where this data is being um, combined with the administrative data, their own ones around water, energy usage, and so on. And they're beginning to model that. So it's informing their planning for particular economic spaces mm. like their townships and their parks and border areas. But what it's also allowing us to do at a national level is for the first time we can be held accountable government-wide for economic outcomes from investment. So we are working um, uh, around reforms, reporting reforms for local government and that requires us to use a data source such as this where we can actually say what is the return on our collective investment in particular spaces in terms of jobs and um, firm level activity. So I'll stop there. So um, I think I'm sure Professor Ivan Chirac can add, but I think those are some critical uses of mm, the data mm. that make this very exciting. Uh, Professor Turok, how is this data going to be accessed? <clears throat> the data will be accessed in various ways. For one, one is this, the, the data portal that Karen has mentioned. It's, it's basically a website where you can go directly to access the data for different geographies that you're interested in, different places you're interested in. Another one would be the report we produced and published yesterday called Cities Economic Outlook 2023. It's a summary of the data. It's a comparison across different municipalities. Uh, it draws, pulls all the different data together to demonstrate what's possible and provide a, an overview. All right. So, uh, and then people themselves actually can, um, can can contact us if they have specific queries, and we can assist them to make progress on that on that front. 
what's one of the things that's really exciting and follows from what uh, Karen has said is that we're hoping to rebalance economic policy in South Africa, right? From this top-down macro preoccupation to a, a more of a bottom-up uh, approach, recognizing particular cities, particular localities, industrial parks, central business districts, more responsive to where business actually exists, right? And not just using inflation and interest rates and these macro variables to manage our economy, but actually to respond to the real needs of business on the ground. And I, for me, this is really exciting that we want to bring about this mind shift so that our economic policy can be more responsive to the differences that exist. It's not a single economy we have. It's a multiplicity of different spaces and sectors and a richness there that policy has not been very good at responding to, frankly, um, um, until now. Yeah, and that's such an important point that that you're raising, uh, Professor Turok, because in many ways, once you actually are clear about where the gaps are, that we know that, um, you know, in terms of budgeting, even for the metros, there is a particular area perhaps that needs uh, you know, a greater portion of the budget because of some of the challenges um, that, that 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 they might be going through. Absolutely, that that we probably have uh, on some research I've done the most unevenly developed economy in the whole world, Kathy. Uh, it's quite a striking uh, observation that right the disparities between places of prosperity and poverty in South yeah, Africa are yeah. bigger anywhere else. Of course, that reflects partly the history, but also reflects contemporary forces. And government hasn't been successful at getting to grips with these stark disparities. But I'm hoping, hoping now, of course, that where we can shed more light on these differences and we can help to provide some answers to the challenges we face of uneven development. All right. I'm going to ask you to pause it there. It's time for the latest news headlines. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're focusing on the special economic activity data in South Africa. Uh, Professor Turok is with the HSRC and Karen Harrison is with the National Treasury. So, Dr. Turok, I think just maybe to get into the data itself a little bit, what were some of the surprising components for you um, as you undertook this work? Mm, well, I think the, the, the richness of the variables that we have information on is, uh, is really um, interesting. So we have the information. You, you asked before about local uh, data that municipalities have. Well, they, that's based on business rates, right? And that in turn is based on property values. So that's just a single variable, property values. What we have through this data set is data on jobs, on the kinds of jobs that there are, the wages that they pay. We have data on the turnover of business. We have data on exports uh, and data on investment. So these are you know, really critical variables in which to understand the complexity, the, 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 uh, the nuance of economic activity. Um, and when you pull these together, you can uh, develop uh, measures of uh, productivity, measures of competitiveness, um, you know, which are really, really important in terms of understanding uh, both 
the patterns between different areas, but also the trajectory, right? Is productivity increasing over time to lay the foundation for future growth? Is investment increasing or decreasing? Which sectors are expanding or declining? It gives you a richness of insight into local economies that you know, we really haven't had before. Um, so I'm really hoping that people will find this useful. Given the reliance uh, on SARS to provide some of the the information around the tax base, uh, am, am I right in assuming that this then would involve data that's primarily in the formal economy? What about the informal economy? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, it is restricted to the formal economy for the reasons you've just mentioned, that informal activity is not captured by any official sources, right, except for the, the labor force. Some of the status A surveys do manage to uh, get a grip on them. But uh, formal activity represents about uh, 80% of jobs in South Africa and about 90% of output. So it, you know, it's the vast majority of our economy. And of course, it's, these are the drivers of economic change, the formal activity. Informal activity tends to be more survivalist kind of responds to uh, income generated in the formal sector. Um, and so it's, it's, it's less significant, I would argue, uh, than understanding the formal economy. But, but you know, that is an area that we do need to think about how we fill that gap in, in, informal, econ- in informal activity, particularly uh, livelihoods uh, and, and informal jobs, self-employment. These are areas where we need to find other data sources to fill the gap. Absolutely, uh, especially given the fact that I would imagine, you know, th- there are lots of communities, if you're thinking about townships, informal settlements, where there is, uh, you know, economic activity taking place, uh, but because it's not formal, it's not recorded, and that might perhaps skew um, part of the picture of, of, of what's happening in, in those areas. But, but like you're saying, of course, when it comes to the overall tax base, the contribution may not be as, as significant as, as what those in the formal economy might be. Yeah, no, it's, it's a vital area of research that, you're, you're, that, that requires attention. You're quite right. They it tends to be bigger in, in rural areas and townships. And the Statis A Labour Force Survey does make an effort. In fact, Statis A also have a, mm-hmm. a periodic small business survey which tries to pick up informal activity. What we need to do is to match the results of these activities with this formal tax data to see what what additional uh, adjustments we need to make to this data to say uh, estimate the significance of the formal yeah. activity in these kinds of places. All right, uh, current this 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 me- me- metrics, if I can call it that, um, and measuring tool. How often is it going to be updated? Yeah, so one of the advantages of the tax data is that it is updated, um, uh, we can update it at least annually. So that data becomes an, and is made available um, and also the time series data so that we can see it over time. We can see how trends shift and change. So, um, yeah, I think that that's very positive. And then just to, just to mention as well, that the tax data is a part of our journey. It's a milestone on our journey. But um, as Prof Chirac was saying, there's also other economic activity data that we want to collect. So some of that is in terms of 
other um, national government administrative data sources, for example, the deeds data or unemployment fund data or social services or home affairs data. So the other data sources we, we want to get to um, facilitate access to. Um, and then there are also areas where there's still gaps like the informal sector, where there's a commitment from Status A and ourselves to start looking at what are the, the processes to try to uh, plug those gaps. Um, at, a, at a localized level, for example, in township economies, National Treasury has been working with the metros around piloting approaches to township economic uh, development, which includes local level surveys to try and gather data. And that has produced some really interesting um, results because economic activity does happen in those spaces and it's really important for large percentages of the population. So, um, yeah, and then the, the other thing to say is that the data in itself is useful, but the conversations that the data provokes around why are we seeing a declining job in this space? What's happening there? What is the role of the public sector in contributing to that decline? How does one need to turn it around um, and get us to perform better in those spaces? Those are the kinds of conversations that I think are very exciting. All right. Professor Turok, um, final words from you? I think this, this point Cara is making is really, really important. The data is the starting point of all sorts of questions, uh, um, conversations, discussions, public debates, right? How do we tackle these massive economic challenges we have in South Africa, which are different in different places? We want this nuance of a local conversation to counterbalance, you know, preoccupation with the Reserve Bank and the interest rates. We want this a much richer economic conversation to really get government to respond effectively to the massive unemployment challenges we face. All right. Let me thank you both for your time this morning, Professor Ivan Turok and Karen Harrison. Of course, Professor Turok is with with the HSRC and Karen with the National Treasury. That's where we leave it for today on The Talking Point. Up next is the book reading. Of course, we're back with you again uh, tomorrow morning between 9 and midday. Gather the family and get stuck into entertainment that will transport you into a world of intrigue and adventure. Catch Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and Night at the Museum, Secret of the Tomb. Every Saturday in our 4pm movie slot, only on SABC2.